0: All right, so, welcome back to the show, episode 529 of the podcast, thank you for tuning in to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis, we also do MMA, Yanks every series, Knicks every game, and MMA on occasion, I'm your host RJ, so we're talking Yankees in this one, we're going over this past series, this series, um, that took place in Seattle, where the Yankees took two, and uh, they walk away with a tough loss, but another series win, and uh, they complete the month of May. They are officially two months into the year, and we'll talk about all of that. We'll do progress reports and everything. We'll go over the series, go over some talking points, injury stuff, all that and more in this episode of BD4. Let's get into it. Welcome to BD4. An RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show.
1: in of the world, turning, looking, see ya, Anthony for three. Fine, that one goes down and the game is it tied. Is time. Penetrate,
0: creates, and showing some dexterity as well with the left hand.
1: Yankees
0: All right. What's up? Episode 529 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Welcome to BD4. And um, yeah, the Yanks take two of three in Seattle this past week. Uh, yeah, this this week they did. Uh, the week's not over. As I'm recording, it's June 1st on a Thursday night. But um, let's talk. The Yanks take two of three. I said to finish out the month before the Baltimore series... We had nine games remaining in the month, three series. Um, was it before the, I don't know, three series ago, I said I wanted the Yankees to do six and two to conclude the month of May. They ended up doing five and three, so not good. Um, it was the O's series that really hurt that mostly, but I still fear, I I still feel decent about the team. Um... You know they're thirty four and twenty four overall. It's not bad at all. It's you know it's solid, a solid May. I think in May they were nineteen and ten. It sucks that two losses sandwiched the solid May. Um, They lost on the first and they lost on the thirty first. But still a good a good month after a very slow start. Um, I you know the only thing I just need to start seeing progression in the in the standings though. It seems like five is the magic number for the Yankees. Where every time we get to it, we fall back. Um, you can't have that happen. You gotta, you gotta start gaining legitimate ground. Um, right now it's six, and remember, the Yankees are still in third place, which is gross. Um, we still have to jump the Orioles, um, but things are looking fine. And you know, June has potential to get even better for the Yankees with all these returning players. And with the bats, hopefully, still hot. So, we'll touch on all of that. Um, so, let's get into it. I, before we do get into it, you know, I was going around the internet. I'm on Instagram, and where um, you can follow me at Rob J. Carbone, or you can also follow the podcast at BD4Pod. Um, but, no, I, I, I see a bunch of things that, on these ex Yankees. I see. Uh, news about Luke Voigt. I see news about Aaron Hicks. I see news about Gary Sanchez. Now going to his... Is this going to be his fourth team since the Yankees? Um, Let's see. He went from the Yankees to the Twins. Then I think after he left the Twins, he went to the Giants. Then he went to the Mets. So this is going to be his fourth team. Gary Sanchez to the Padres. It's crazy how, how Gary's career ended up, man. It really is. Like, this guy had massive potential when he was in the Yankees' system. I just remember 16-year-old Gary Sanchez coming up in the farm. You heard a lot of, you know, Pudge Rodriguez talk. Guy comes up. He plays the 50-something games he played in his, I guess, rookie season. Um, and he hits 20 home runs. He bats about 300. Sophomore season, he was gets the full year, and he was excellent. That's just under 280, has 30-something homers, and he looked legit. I mean, hitting for high average, solid contact, hitting the ball out of the ballpark with power, with like judge-caliber power to the opposite field, and he just looked tremendous to where the deficiencies behind home plate were never even talked about because of how elite of a hitter he was, and then all of a sudden, it just fell apart. Whether you can blame, you know, Boone being a little cupcake with him. Um, You know, ever since Girardi was canned, it kind of fell downhill from there. Uh, You know, Gary didn't take great care of himself. Uh, It just, it's unfortunate the way it ended up for him, but... I'll give him credit. He did hit a home run in his first at-bat. I'm pretty sure it was his first at-bat as a San Diego Padre. Um, we'll see how long this tenure lasts. I, I, I sat in over-under with my a couple of my buddies at 14 and a half uh, days. So, no, yeah, the Padres need a catcher, so we'll see. Um, they need help. I mean, they have all this talent, and, and it hasn't translated into wins yet. Um, you know, I, I noticed he was wearing number 99. Maybe he's trying to find anything he can to get that offensive pop back. Um, he was also wearing his Yankees catcher's gear, which, okay, uh, makes sense. Gary's, yeah. <laughs> but, um yeah, I saw Gary. I saw Aaron Hicks. Obviously, he signed with Baltimore. He's going to be, he's with the O's. Um you know, And when you mention that, you have to cue the he's going to hit a massive home run against the Yankees comments that have been flying in. But, you know, I heard he left the game early already with, like, muscle cramps. So, that's not a shocker. Um, I also see, unsurprisingly, Aaron Hicks growing out the facial hair like every ex Yankee does the day they leave. <laughs> so, he's with the Baltimore Orioles. And, hey, best of luck to him. You know I've got no qualms on Aaron with Aaron Hicks anymore. He's gone. Same thing with Gary. Um, and then I saw Luke Voigt was cut by the Milwaukee Brewers. I didn't even know he was with the Brewers. Um, also unfortunate how he ended up too. He had a fun ride with the Yankees. Injuries got in the way and it just wasn't the same after that. But uh, I just thought I'd bring that up, a couple fun topics to start the episode, because I was, again, I was on social media and I noticed uh, some of these, um, you know, headlines flying around. I was like, oh, this is funny. So let's talk about the series when we return from break. We'll talk about the first game of the series and go from there, and then we'll dive into the thick of it. So let's get into it as soon as we return from our first break. be, uh, Be right back. Stay with us. Episode 529 of BD4.
1: We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now with that all said, let's get you back to the show.
0: Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 5-29 5-29 of BD4. The Yankees take two in Seattle. And we'll also get to our two-month progress report. Um, so the first game of the series. On Monday night, the Yankees took it 10-4. to You had Domingo Herman going up against uh, that guy Miller. <laughs> A lot of offense. On uh, top of the second, you get Jake Bowers. Doubles for the one nothing lead to score Harrison Bader. Uh, Bader gets on. He's still second. Forces a bad throw. Takes third. Gotta love that because of his speed alone. The Yanks get on the board there. Bottom of the second inning, Seattle scores off of a ground ball out to tie the game. In the third and fourth innings, you got some uh, home runs from Judge and Bowers. They go deep and make it 4-1. to one. Julio Rodriguez homers off of Domingo Herman. Herman. To cut it to four to two in the bottom of the inning, uh, the fourth, and then in the fifth you get doubles from Calhoun and IKF, pushing the lead to eight two. Uh, Julio singles on the bottom of the inning to make it eight four. Top six Judge goes yard again to make it nine four. Um, one of these games one of these days, he's going to have a three home run game, uh, and then top nine. Higgy makes it 10 on a base hit to left field. The Yankees win 10-4 final. Um, 10 runs on 18 hits, which is a 419 batting average. Uh, 9 extra base hits, so half of their hits went 2 bases or more. Uh, 2 walks, only 6 strikeouts, gotta love that, and 6 of 17 hitting with runners in scoring position. Judge on the night goes 3 for 4, 2 home runs, a double... A walk, three RBIs. He also robbed a home run, which just tops off how incredible he is. Um, That's a play that nobody else makes in this league. Uh, And honestly, that double was actually almost his third home run of the night. Uh, It just missed going out. Uh, Bowers was also three for four. A couple of doubles, a home run, a walk, and two RBIs. And then you had some two-hit games from Glaber, Calhoun, IKF, Bader, and Higashioka. Calhoun, a couple doubles. Bader was 2-for-2 two two before the injury, which we'll talk on. So, all in all, you had seven Yankees with multi-hit nights in this one. Um, I love the fact that they had six doubles, not Yankee-like, which a lot of people talk about the team batting average and, and think more singles. Yes, we do need that, but doubles too. We need more double hitters. I love a doubles-hitting team. Uh, the Boston Red Sox have always been able to hit doubles. That's always bothered me. Um, we haven't had a legitimate doubles hitter since, like, maybe Robbie Cano. Um, but yeah, it was an impressive offensive showing. The Yankees banged up a good pitcher. Miller's ERA went from 145 to 3.0 in just one night. That's impressive. That's awesome. Um, and you're welcome for the 10-run outburst. I You know, I complained on social media about the punt lineup when I saw it, um, I hate when the Yankees pump period, but you know, when Boone does it game one of a series, it really gets to me. Uh, you had Calhoun batting third, IKF at shortstop, uh, Oswaldo was at third. There was no Rizzo because of the injury. Uh, no Volpe, just, I guess he wanted a day. I wanted to give him a day. Uh, but of course, every single time I complain about the lineup, the Yankees seem to drop at least 10 runs. So that happened. Um, on the mound for the Yankees, Domingo Herman goes six and a third, four runs, seven hits, three walks, a hit by pitch, four strikeouts, one home run, and got the win. Uh, this was his first outing since the suspension. He returned, did a nice job. I thought it was funny. He had an eight pitch, one, two, three first inning. So I'm thinking right there, oh great. Is he using shit again? Could you imagine if he was that stupid? And the problem is that can't happen now. Because if he misses another if he gets suspended again, if he's that stupid to do it again, which Domingo Herman is a pretty stupid human being, that's not good because he's out for I think it's uh, it's either a fifty or an eighty two gamer. It's a while. And you can't replace that spot on the roster. So to lose an arm like that, that's a problem. So he's got to be careful. Uh, he lost it a few times, lost it in the fifth, had some problems in the sixth and seventh. But all in all, he was solid. Uh, keeps the ERA under four. He's always getting it done. He's always been efficient. He seems like he's always given the Yankees six solid innings. He doesn't. He's. I, I've had no qualms with Domingo um, so far this season. Obviously, other than the antics. Um, the bullpen gave you two and two thirds innings of no run ball. Five strikeouts. Marinaccio pitched two thirds of an innings of an inning. Uh he had two strikeouts. He got the big outs over them. He was fired up. You loved seeing that. It was definitely one of his better outings for the year of the year for a guy who has had a pretty underwhelming season for the Yankees. Um Abreu looked good for two innings. Uh, he had a walk and three strikeouts. Nobody scored on him, and that was the uh, the first game of the series for you. The Yankees took that again, ten to four. The second game of this series, the Yankees also took this. This one was ten to two, and um, they didn't need extras. Um, well, they didn't need extras for the first game. I don't know why I said that. Um, oh, the next game was extras. But in Game 2 on Tuesday night, the Yankees won 10-2 against the Mariners. Nestor Cortez going up against Gilbert. Um, Another solid pitcher. Top of the first, though. IKF base hit and a Bauer sack fly makes it 3-zip already. Uh, In the third and fourth innings, you had Volpe and Greg Allen go deep. Volpe, a three-run shot. Uh, I I love a nice three-run home run, by the way. I feel like the Yankees don't get much of those. Um, And then Allen, a solo shot, which the Yankees do get a lot of. Uh, but that made it 7-0 Yankees after just four innings. Uh, bottom of the fifth, though, Nestor, Cor- uh, Nestor Cortez once again falls apart. Uh, it's it's a problem from all, really from all season, this has been an issue with him. Uh, we'll discuss it later in the episode. But it was basically a couple of doubles to score the Mariners some runs, and it made it 7-2. Uh, but Judge goes deep again in the seventh because, of course, he does. Um, and then IKF singled in a run in the ninth, and all of a sudden the Yankees have a 10 2 lead, and they'd win this game 10 2. Um, the Bats scored 10 runs on 12 hits, three extra base hits. They batted 308 overall, four walks, 12 strikeouts, three of 11 in scoring position. IKF had a four for five night, four RBIs. Calhoun, two more hits. Glaber, two more hits, and then Judge Volpe Allen with home runs. Volpe also had three RBIs from the home run. Um, You did have some more errors from IKF and Volpe, so that's annoying. It's a concern with me uh, with Volpe. It's something that's been trending downwards for the last couple weeks now. I've always thought he was a better second baseman than shortstop. I don't think he belongs belongs at shortstop, but at this point, I don't know if the Yankees are going to tweak that this year. It's probably more of a thing you work on in the offseason. Regardless, they did the job offensively. Gilbert is the losing pitcher in this game. He goes four innings, five runs, two home runs. The Yankees got to him. That's impressive. He went from a solid 360 ERA to a 4.08 after this game. Uh, For the Yankees, Nestor Cortez, five innings, two runs, five hits, two walks, six Ks. Got the win to improve to five and two. We'll talk more on him later because there are still some questions, as I said. The bullpen, four innings, no runs, four Ks. Michael King gave you two innings of no run, three strikeout baseball. It was interesting that Boone used him for two innings in a blowout game. Um, I know he hadn't pitched in a couple days and needed work, but two was interesting because it was a was an 8-2 to two game at the time he comes in. Um, Weber got two innings at the end. No runs, one strikeout. <laughs> the guy continues to somehow throw up zeros. He doesn't look like a pitcher. Someone said on a podcast that he looks like a position player pitching out there. And it cracks me up because that's the perfect way to put it. I was having trouble trying to put it into words. Why it looks so odd when Ryan Weber pitches. But that's it. Like I've said like he looks like a wiffle baller out there. But that a position player pitching that's perfectly put. That's exactly what it looks like. I it's weird. Uh but he's gotten the job done for the Yankees. Um and that was for the second game. That was game 2. Game 3 was on Wednesday night. Let's get right into that. Um yeah, last night the Yankees lose one nothing. Kind of a different game in 10 innings. Clark Schmidt went up against Kirby. Um he had some excellent plays to start the game from Glaber, I think, in the second and third innings of this game. Uh, helped out Schmidt there. And then Glaber singles in the fourth to lead off the inning as the Yankees' first base runner of the night. But he was called out when he overslid second base on a steal attempt. Uh, that's you know, death taxes and Glaber on the base paths. Um, bottom of the sixth, Clark lets up the uh, foul ball double. The play was reviewed, and it stood as a foul. Schmidt then ended up striking out the batter, and he recorded two outs in the inning before being pulled after the base hit. Um, I agreed with the move very much. By the way, I'll you know if I criticize Boone, I'll also give him credit when he deserves it. It's Clark Schmidt. Take the win, and then hand it over to the best bullpen in baseball, and they did. Peralta checked in, got the quick out. Top of the 7th, yet Judge just missed another one. Uh, and then after a two-out bloop single from DJ, IKF also just misses one to end the frame, still scoreless. But the bottom of the 7th, Peralta does give up the leadoff double to Suarez. Greg Allen almost dies on the play. um, Like a whiplash. But then it was beautiful work from Juan uh, Peralta to retire three consecutive with ease. Did his job for two innings. Ninth inning, Judge gets intentionally walked, and the Yankees do nothing with it. Bottom of the ninth, Clay Holmes was wonderful. One, two, three. And then top of the ninth, the Yankees lose the game. Or uh bottom of the tenth. Or no, you could say they actually lost the game in the top of the tenth. Uh I mean they had their chances and they botched it. That's really where they lost the game. They put runners on the corners with the Crawford error. So Oswaldo, who was the you know the fake base runner, goes to third. And then you had the guy on first base from the J.P. Crawford error. IKF pops up, though. And then they load the bases with the Jake Bowers walk. It was a good at-bat from him. But they come up completely empty when that scrub who I forgot was the Yankee. Franchi Cordero ends up striking out in a full count. Um, But this was another moment that had me kind of laughing. Because I love when the Yankees lie about players being available because they don't think it'll come to it, but then it does, and they end up looking ridiculous. It happens all the time. Uh, Yeah, you had a pinch hitter there, and they go Franchi Cordero pinch hitting there over Anthony Rizzo pinch hitting there. Obviously, that was a blatant lie um, that Rizzo was okay to play. Uh, And I love how after the game... Boone goes, yeah, I mean, we were waiting for an emergency situation to use result I mean, a scoreless game in extras isn't an emergency situation. You're down six games in the division. You don't think that's an emergency? Like, I don't know. Now we know where your priorities lie. I mean, we've always known where his priorities lie. But then the bottom of the 10th comes. Uh, Marinaccio's struggles continue, but I don't even you know, the, the, the walk-off down the line off the fake base runner scores. I mean, I hate that rule so much. I'm not going to complain about it because we do all the time, but the Yankees lose one nothing in 10. Um, I'll complain about it. I, I hate it. Like, I got to say, they, they really, really, really did a great job taking away the excitement from extra innings with this rule. It's just lost all of its luster. I used to love... Those extended extra innings games that killed your bullpen made me exhausted the next day because my team grinded and they battled out a win. I used to love watching those marathons. Which, by the way, 18-inning games were never often anyway, with or without this stupid rule. But now this shit, it's, it's like, at least put the guy on first. Like, I... I don't like it at all. Just have it natural baseball. Don't put anybody on. Just be like it used to. I know I sound like an old man, but this shit's over in two minutes. It is. Every extra inning game, I feel like goes 10 innings now. I just don't get it. I, all of it, honestly. We're so obsessed nowadays with speeding things up all of a sudden. Yet we say we love the game. It's Everything has to be quick, quick, quick. Everything we're trying to do is just trying to speed. I love, I'm a purist. I'll say it. I love the game the way it was five years ago. I've had no problems, but the only problem I have, which we're still not really fixing, is this whole philosophy that home run, strikeout, walk, home run, strikeout, walk, and don't worry about the single. Single's the same as a walk. Three true outcome. That's my problem. Strikeouts don't matter. That's my issue. Uh, maybe it's helped a little, taking away the shift, or restricting the shift. But, yeah, I have no problem with extra innings, um, traditional extra innings. Uh, this new Manfred Runner shit, not new anymore, but this the Manfred Runner, the fake runner, the ghost runner, whatever you want to call it, it just kills the game for me, man. It really does. Um. Anyhow, the bats in this game, regardless of my feelings on the extra innings rule, um, the bats lost the game. No runs on three hits. They were off singles. Uh, Yankees had a 93 batting average in this game. No walks, even. Uh, nine strikeouts, 0 for 5. I mean, they were just in scoring position. They were awful. Um, Glaber, DJ, and Higgy were the ones with the base hits. Bowers and Judge walked, but Judge's was, again, the intentional walk, which could go on in a whole tangent there about how I think that's cowardly and not strategy. Um, but just disgusting offense in a very pitifully, pitifully played game offensively by the Yankees. Uh, The lineup just had nothing. They did zero. Um, They let George Kirby throw eight scoreless innings, and he looked filthy. Credit to him. Um, And then they were quieted by two guys in the bullpen. Um, The bullpen for the Yankees uh, was good. Schmidt was good, five and two-thirds, no runs, three hits, a walk, seven Ks, no homers. More on him later. Yeah, the pen, three and a third plus innings, uh, one run, no runs, uh, no earned runs, six strikeouts. Peralta was awesome. He worked quick and effective. Holmes was awesome. Same thing. Strikeout stuff work, and he's been good in that new role. Uh, and then Marnaccio came in, and he couldn't get the job done. Joked um, at the end there. So. so that's it. The Yankees take two or three, and we'll talk more on this series when we return from break. Stay with us after this message. We'll be right back.
1: You can also find us on social media, if you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it.
0: Welcome back to the show. Episode 529 of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to BD4. Where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis, we also do MMA too. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, and MMA on occasion— So, the Yankees have some good news on the horizon. A lot of guys are coming back. First off, the Rizzo thing, bad news. I am, like, 1,000% expecting a DL stint soon, to be honest with you. Because the Yankees always do this. They always say, oh, he'll be back likely the next night. And then, boom. That was what they did with this Rizzo shit. He could very well be in the lineup tomorrow night. We just want to give him the day. Uh, Oh, We're going to give him this game, too. Uh, we're going to sit him here, double up on rest of the next. Like, they're they're doing the shit, man. They're doing the shit they've always done. So, if Rizzo's not in tomorrow night's lineup, again, they say he should be. But if he's not, I am 1,000% expecting him to go on to the DL. Uh, and that's got to be really, really annoying because he's been the Yankees' best bat right next to Judge all year. And he's been the one to stay healthy all the entire time. So if he ends up going on the DL, that's gonna suck. Um, cause it comes in waves. Bader goes down now. This, uh, but we'll talk on that Bader thing in a second. We got the Rodon, uh, the Rodon news before the game on Monday. That you know, for those who give a shit, I don't. But the Yankees said he threw an intense bullpen session and he got through it without issues. Um, you can do what you want with that information. I. <laughs> I'm kind of tired of these updates. Um, just let me know when Carlos Rodon is on the mound for the New York Yankees. Um, at the very least, tell me when he's ready to start a rehab. How about that? But these these updates we're getting—he's doing jump rope, he's doing jumping jacks, he's he's swinging the bat underwater. That was one of the Bader updates originally, initially. Um, he, you know, he's playing patty cake with his dad. I don't care. I just want to know when the guy is going to return to the Yankee uh, Yankee lineup or the Yankee rotation or the Yankee bullpen. Just let me know when he's back on the field, okay? But, yeah, the, the Bader one sucks. Bader hurts the hamstring in the uh, third inning of Monday night's game, running to first base. Running to first base. Oh, I'm going to start sounding like an old man again, but th- th- these guys are brittle. And it's why I'm very hesitant to extend the guy. He's made of cheese. He's made of cheese. He's soft. He'll be out a while. The Yankees said he'll be out at least a few weeks. That was Boone's quote. So, you know, in translation from Yankee jargon to normal language, at least a few weeks means at least one month. (laughs) Let's be real. Maybe probably more. Um, It's his third injury stint uh since you know he's been with the Yankees he's barely been on the field man he's barely been on the field he he was injured when they got him came back uh got injured again the off season i don't even i don't even remember if it was the off season or spring training or and what the injury was um then he gets hurt again so uh, the guy is is a brittle tostito chip he breaks very easily um he has one more step back and, and I think I'm kind of done with him. Like I, the only reason right now I am not done with Harrison Bader is a very similar reason why I'm not done with John Carlos Stanton yet. It's because Harrison Bader, what he did for them last October, I still think about. And if he ends up doing that again, then maybe I go after him in the winter solely for that reason but I don't think at this point right now if the season ended today and if he was out for the postseason that starts tomorrow I'm not extending him in the, in the off season or the or in season I, I'm not at this point I, it's hard for me it's hard because the guy just can't stay on the field maybe give him three years. But I I don't like I don't want it to be a Hicks thing where you give him seven and he ends up getting hurt. I can't I just I can't do the injury shit. I'm over like. Hopefully he accepts the qualifying offer so we have more time to decide this. But it sucks, man. Because if that doesn't happen, the other night we got our full lineup for the first time probably ever. Um, because I love what the kid does for you in October, and I hope he can bring it again. You got to be on the field, man. Uh, but the good news, yes, uh, Donaldson. Good news, uh, Stanton and Tommy Canley are coming back for this L.A. Dodgers series, starting this weekend. Tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, all night games. Um, the Stanton one is massive, man. I first of all, it's a huge name. The Yankees are getting that fear factor. I know Calhoun, uh, Jake Bowers. Conor Falefa have all hit to a degree and we'll talk on them in a second but opposing pitchers aren't pitching to them the same way they're going to pitch to Giancarlo Stanton the fear factor that he will bring off the charts and the protection he's going to provide guys around him in the lineup awesome you know I'm, I'm excited this is a guy who I still believe is you know at the peak of his career, uh, production-wise, I still think he can give you production. It's just, you know, at this age, the injury issues are not going to improve, unfortunately. So, I'm kind of shocked, to be honest with you, that it took this quick. Um, you know, with the Yankees and with Stanton, but you know, he did. I, I he definitely didn't want to miss this Dodger series. Um, it does, you know, make me wonder: is he rushing it a little bit? because he wants to face you know to go to LA and face the Dodgers um so I don't know I just hope he doesn't rush it and tweak anything like please don't I don't need him sneezing and pulling his back out. We don't need that. Um leave that for Donaldson, you know. You already know my take on Donaldson. I'm I'm giving this guy 2 weeks maximum before I cut weight with him. DFAM like I did Hicks and promote Oswald Peraza, who does not belong in AAA. And the last I checked last night across 22 games, Oswald Peraza is batting 357 or 347, nine homers and a 1061 OPS. Call the kid up. Um, Donaldson gets a half of a month, not even. So let's go. Um, and Tommy Canley. I don't know that I expect much, to be honest. I, I, I don't see the guy as a big weapon anymore. I don't think he gives you anything. Uh, maybe he becomes a mop-up guy, eats innings for you, saves guys, but it's hard to expect much because the guy hasn't been relevant since 2017. Honestly, I mean, look it up. You can look at his baseball reference. The guy has not pitched, and when he's been on the field, he hasn't been too effective. 2017 was really his last legitimate strong season. Um, I do love the guy. I love him. He's got the energy out there on the mound. He's passionate. Very Severino-like. I loved his first tenure here. Uh, I just have pretty low expectations for Tommy Canley. I don't know how much of an impact he'll make, but we'll see. Uh, and then we were all wondering all this time who go who goes down. We found out uh, early this morning, I believe it was. Uh, I mean, you had a lot of guys on the roster that could have been candidates. You know, Calhoun, Bowers, Oswaldo, Matt Crook, Franchi Cordero, Greg Allen. It ends up being guys who you expected to to be off the roster. Matt Crook, who I don't think he ever threw a pitch. Uh, Franchi Cordero also sent down. And, And Oswaldo Cabrera, which... Let's talk about Oswaldo, man. It's sad. You know, it's... Because we love the kid. I love him. He's a fan favorite. He's always smiling. He's always happy. He's got that energy. Uh, Last year, man, he was such a jolt to this team. Had such a fun time out there. Uh, But it's not been going the same. It's not been good for him at all this year. It hasn't been going well. And this had to happen. Send him to Scranton and let him work on his game. He was batting 195 and his OPS plus on the year was 49. Um, If you're new to that stat, an OPS plus of 100 is average. So... Him having a 49 OPS plus means he's been 51% worse than average on the year. Pretty bad. Uh, He was just not producing consistently enough. He wasn't contributing enough to remain on the New York Yankees. You can't hit 195 and stay on the team. Um, And, you know, I was trying to figure out what it's been. Um... And I was listening to Locked On Yanks with uh, Stacy and Steve. Good podcast. I picked it up this year. Steve found something pretty significant on Oswaldo on this episode. Uh, I think it was last night's episode. Talking about his swing path, which we've mentioned it before. So I was kind of glad to see I wasn't the only one who thought about this. But, yeah, the, the swing path of Oswaldo isn't the same. The launch angle is down. Um, and that's led to a lot of those ground balls that we're seeing. Kind of like we were just talking about with Isaiah canna kind of Um Did we bring that part up yet? I don't know. Might be in my notes later. Um, but, yeah, I, they were showing a, a side-by-side, too, of Oswaldo, and you could really see the massive difference in his swing. Uh, they slowed down the video. The, the launch angle, uh, it, it was down, I think, six degrees, he said. This year it's been down six degrees, um, and his pull percentage is up, which is why you see a ton of grounders to, to the right side, to second base when he's batting from the left side. So, you know, he was making contact, but there is contact and there is hard contact, right? There's there's hitting strikes hard, as, as uh, Yankee hitting coach likes to say. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're Dylan Lawson, I hope he knows this. I hope he was sitting there on the iPad and telling Oswaldo the same thing that we're saying right now. You gotta be in your game. If the Yankees are very analytical, I hope that's when they're using their analytics right there. Like that should be a conversation Dylan Lawson is having with Oswaldo right now, or you know, today, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it was disappointing to hear, man. But it had to happen. Absolutely had to send him down. I, I was hoping he would have given the Yankees some some pop this year. I was. I had some high expectation for him. I thought at worst he'd be hitting 240 with the 700s OPS for you, but wasn't even close to that. So go down, you know, retool your swing a little bit, and maybe we see in September. If not, we'll see in 2024 spring training, right? You never know. Um, I, I will say this. This doesn't make Cashman look good. Um. His plan for left field has not a day longer lasted than two months (laughs) into a six-month season. It's lasted two months, his plan for left field. Hicks, out, just last week. And now Cabrera, out, just this morning. It's a bad look if you're Cashman. You can spin it either way you want. Yes, the Yankees are winning, but it's a bad look for Cashman that his left-field plan has failed two months into a six-month season. And don't tell me that these left-fielders were his only options, because I've seen somebody say that to me before on Twitter, where I kind of went into a little back-and-forth before I gave up. But do we need to revert back to, I think it was episode 438, where we here on the show raved, advocated for Yoshida for a good 10 to 15 minutes. I wanted Yoshida, and the Red Sox got Yoshida, and they got him for pretty cheap. Not to mention, I also said, if we had to trade one of Volpe or Dominguez plus Peraza for Reynolds, I would have considered that. Throw stones at me all you want. But that's not even the point. Like, it's not even about last winter. The Yankees had some prime chances to get left field help that they've needed for a while over the years. Brantley was the guy I wanted them to pounce on. What happened the first time he became available? They passed on him. Then he became available again uh, in recent years. Nope. And it goes further back. Remember when that guy Bryce Harper, I think his name is? He hit the market, and the Yankees told you they were log because they had Ellsbury, Hicks, and Clint Frazier and Brett Gardner out there? Anyways, we're getting off topic here. This is supposed to be about Oswaldo. So, hey, best of luck to the kid. Um, I wish him nothing but the best, man. And I I think... um, I think he's right there. It's a small tweak in the swing. And if you can fix that, it's a big if. But if you can, I think he's going to be okay. Um, but yeah, th- those other guys, they're keeping their spots right now because they're producing. The bums they're hitting. like, And we're going to talk about the bums, quote-unquote, when we return from break. Talking about guys like IKF, Bowers, Calhoun, and more. As soon as we return from break, episode 529 of BD4. Stay with us after this message. Be right
1: back. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to BD4Blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ
0: Carbone. And you are listening to episode 529 of BD4. <clears throat> Alright, so the Yankees are getting some production from their, I guess, bench. Uh, Isaiah Conner-Falefa is one guy that's been kind of making some headlines lately. Uh, we, we've heard these reports or we've read these articles about how he's talked about his new swing and his new approach how he's driving the ball more and swinging for line drives more not just he's not trying to swing harder like he did last year which just ended up hitting ground balls but he's actually went into the analytics and changed up his swing made some tweaks and the mechanics are a little different and the footwork and the stance is a little different. And uh, early this year, all last year, you saw a lot of ground ball contact, right? Now on the year this season, the numbers still suck overall because of, you know, most of April. Um, And for the record here, I never want the guy getting everyday reps at any position. So, you know, I like him in this super utility role. And he's hit when called upon during this whole injury book. In his last 24 games, IKF's batting 278. He's got a 316 on base a 486 slugging. So that's an OPS over 800. Four doubles, a triple, three home runs during that span. It's awesome to see. The power is decent. Three home runs. I'm pretty sure he had that all of last season. And again, I think he's a fine player for this super utility role. I've made that known before. Come off the bench, fill in occasionally for injured players like you've been, and I'll be fine with it. And credit to him for being fine with it, for being very understanding, carrying a great attitude, being a great teammate the entire way. He's handled this way better than that dude who now plays for the Orioles had. He's not on podcasts complaining about his role. You don't see that. Was that Hicks or Gallo? Um, yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, IKF has hit Bowers. <coughs> Excuse me, him too. He's starting to hit. I was literally ripping this guy. I was ripping him last episode and saying this guy's not it get him out, I'm done. He starts hitting. His OPS is up to 752 on the year. And in this series he goes 4 for ten, three extra base hits, 3 walks, a sack fly, and 3 RBIs. Uh, He hits right-handed pitchers. Let's try that one more time. He hits righties very well. Or that's when you see the pop come out in his bat. Um... So, you saw the home run in this series. And hey, he filled in nicely for Rizzo at first base too. I like him at first base, which I think is his primary position, way more than when he's in the outfield, which I don't love. But Bowers has hit. Calhoun, who's kind of been steadily hitting from the beginning. Um, On the year, he too has the OPS above 7. It's 7.07 on the year. Uh, But in his last 20 games, he's got 8 extra base hits, 9 walks, 9 RBIs, and an 8.41 OPS. And I love, one thing I love about Calhoun that's different than Bowers, um, is that this guy, despite being short and chubby and unable to play a position, is very, he's a very good bat on ball guy. He's got great contact skills. I mean, the guy's got a K rate of just 12% this season. But in his last 24 games, that K rate is 7%. <laughs> That's really good. That means that 93% of his plate appearances are ending with contact or a walk. That's awesome. Um, And Greg Allen. I'll throw him in there. Obviously one of those guys from the next man up seasons a few a uh, few years ago. He's more defensive. He has the speed, the glove, good base runner, but he's, you know, he's hit a little tiny bit. Small sample size, but he has 3 hits, a single, triple and a home run. Has a stolen base in there. He had a sack bunt last night, which I don't think he meant to get a sack bunt out of it, but Yeah. Listen, it, it's a bench that could still use an upgrade for sure. Uh, but I don't think what these guys are doing is terrible right now. Um, I, I think they've done a a fine job off the bench and filling in. Uh, I don't know that it's sustainable though, right? At least not Calhoun and Bowers. Um, Allen is is useful on this roster for his speed and defense alone. Um, but still, it, it's it's much better now than like we've said, what it was at the top of the season when we had Franchi Cordero and Aaron Hicks in there. Um, I, I I do wish we would ditch Higashioka. I'm a little annoyed, not surprised at all, but annoyed that Ben Rortved was the one sent down. Uh, the Yankees just seem too afraid of change. They've had Higgy on this team for a little while now. He's been part of the organization, even back to the Gary days. But he just gives you nothing, man. He gives you nothing. I'm sorry. He does nothing for me. The defense isn't great. He has zero arm. The bat sucks. Every couple of weeks, he'll hit a home run the right field, and yes, Network will go wild about his opposite field pop. But the guy friggin' sucks. It's just, for me, it's just time for new blood. Get a fresh face in there. You've heard my take on this, plus my take on Big Ben, right? But, I'll, you know, I'll spare it. I'm just tired of Higashioka. I don't think this guy needs. He's it's Higa it's Kyle Higashioka. Do we really need to hang on to him like he's so important? Do we really have to I know this chemistry with the pitching staff. I I don't think it's I think it's a little overblown. Worrying so much about swapping backup catchers. I think you can do it and you'll be okay. I promise. Um I want to go back to the rotation for a second. Speaking of Pitching a little bit and, um, that made no sense. But I do want to talk about Nestor Cortez because Nestor, concerning me a little bit here, um, he did pitch decently on, on, was it Tuesday or whenever? He pitched fine. Nothing crazy. Um, but, you know, it, it still wasn't a great Nestor like outing. Five innings, two runs. You know, I, I did a little digging uh, to see because there there were times this year where he looked fine, but I did a little digging to see if he was pitching as bad as it feels. Kind of does. He kind of has been. Uh, Last season in 2022 across 28 starts, 46% of them were quality starts. So, six innings, three runs are better. This year, Across 11 starts, only 27% of them have been quality starts. And it, it seems to be the one trend that continues. Nestor Cortez has a problem getting outs the third time through the order. And that's very unfortunate. Um, it, it could be a combination of things. It could be stamina. Like right? the pitch count. He had 101 pitches in five innings on whenever this was. Um, game two, uh, maybe it's the pitch clock pace. I know he's usually worked quickly in the past, but having a pitch clock in front of you can affect you mentally and make you pitch a little different. Um, maybe his stuff isn't as good. Although he's said recently that it's, it's not his stuff. He's talked about his stuff being there, but his command being off, which is true. He's tried to switch it up and, and go outside the zone more. And he's usually a guy who likes to pound the inside, but hitters seem to be hunting that inside pitch this season, and that's biting him. But yeah, it's that third time through; he gets beat up pretty bad. Uh, the Yankees might have to start using him as a five and fly pitcher now, and that's it sucks. You know, he looks more like a number five pitcher, and that sucks. Um, I will say maybe one positive at the end of the day is that five innings, two runs isn't awful. Um, and, and maybe it wasn't awful because he did a decent job of changing up his pitch mix each time through the order in this game. He was fastball heavy the first time through. He was off speed and breaking ball heavy the second time through with a slider and even a couple of change-ups, which we don't see a lot, generated a few swing and misses. Um, then he went back to the fastball the third time through before he was pulled briefly. Um, I would like to see that trend continue for his next start mix up the pitches and see what the results are. And then if there's still, you know, so, so to, to bad, maybe we'll start drawing some conclusions there. Um, because that will be his 12th start of the year. And that's usually a good point. That's like by 12 starts, you usually get a good idea of a season. The guy's having when he's 12 starts in, cause that's like 40 to 50% of the way, 40% of the way through. Um, so that's Nestor Cortez. It's unfortunate that it keeps happening but it keeps happening. When we return from break, we're going to talk more and we'll hand out our, our uh, tip of the cap boards to um, the three usuals. the guy in the lineup, guy in the pen and the guy in the rotation. We'll do tip of the caps when we return when we return from break. stay with us after this message. Episode 529 of
1: BD4. Studio 69 Productions is a production company that allows content creators of all genres to market their podcast or whatever project they're working on. It's an online platform that will promote your content no problem. All you have to do is get in touch with film director and podcast producer Leo Rodriguez from Say No More Podcast and you're good to go. You can find him on Instagram at Studio69NJ, Studio69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Welcome back to
0: the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Let's get to our tip of the caps. Among the position players, we're handing out our tip of the cap to Aaron Judge. I mean, who else but Aaron Judge in this series? Aaron Judge against the Seattle Mariners this weekend went 4 for 10. That's 400. A double, three home runs, four RBIs, four walks only 3 strikeouts, 5 runs scored, 14 total bases, which equates to an OPS just below 2000. Oh, shit. Um on the year he's batting 298 with a 1089 OPS, 18 home runs, 39 RBIs. I mean I don't know what else there is to say. You can only compliment a guy so much. He's been unbelievable. The defense has been great as usual. He robbed the home run. In this series, as we mentioned, I mean, he's just been great. It's kind of hilarious at this point because we expected a regression season and the man is on pace to, I think he's on pace to hit 55. That might even be lower than what he's on pace for. I'm just, you know, ballparking it. I mean, it's unbelievable. That's not regression. Regression. Like, I was saying regression like, okay, he'll probably bat 270, 280, hit you 40-plus homers. No, the guy's hitting just below 300. He's going to end with just below 60 homers if he continues to do what he's been doing and stays healthy. Like, it's been unbelievable. And he's just two home. I think he's only two home runs shy unless Alonso hit another tonight of the lead for the majors. alonso has got 20, last I checked, which was last night. And uh, Judge has 18. But the difference is I'm not even comparing the two players because I'm sorry. Um the only thing Pete Alonso has on Judge is that he stays healthy. But Judge has been very healthy, knock on wood going on three consecutive seasons now. Um I mean I was looking at Alonzo's numbers and he, he's not close as a player. Like his his bet was he betting two forty, two thirty? Judge is doing this as a three hundred hitter. It's incredible. (laughs) And I don't know about Alonzo's defense, but I know Judge's defense is very elite. I don't know. I hate the Mets, so I I love when they lose. I always check the box score. I always want them to have all these K's and Ofers in there. I love that Lindor hasn't been good. I love when Alonzo has a down nine. I love when Scherzer and Verlander have, you know, outings where they get torched. Scherzer did have a seven shutout tonight I think it was one run. But fuck the Mets. Um so Aaron Judge gets the tip of the cap from the position players. Uh and he now has five on the season. Five tip of the caps which leads the lineup. Clark Schmidt gets the tip of the cap amongst the starting pitchers this series. Uh Clark, good for Clark. You know He's, he's 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 been better. Uh, the stuff looked fantastic out there in this game on Wednesday night. Every pitch he threw looked sharp. It was moving. Excuse me. The slider was working. The curveball was working. He was very curveball heavy on lefties in this game. Uh, the cutter was there. He mixed up the cutter well to lefties. Didn't overdo it this time. Uh, he got that. That guy France to to strike out on a high-cut fastball. That was a nice pitch. Um, He had some great late hard movement to the pitch. Just generated a ton of swing and misses on each of his pitches. And did a nice job containing the lefties, which he usually doesn't do well. But in this game, left-handed hitters were 1-for-10 off of Clark Schmidt. So he was throwing strikes. Limited traffic too, which is something he doesn't always do. Even in some of his good starts, he puts traffic on the bases in this game. He limited the damage. All three of the hits were singles. Um, again, good job for Clark Schmidt. And he's found something in May. You know, he had the just the, the one blow up start. But outside of that, he's been great in May. If you take away the, the four and two-thirds innings, seven runs against Tampa this month, you have four and a third, two runs, no earned runs against Cleveland, six innings two runs against Oakland, five innings, two runs in Cincinnati, five innings, one run against Baltimore, and then five and and two-thirds innings, no runs against uh, Seattle. So you got yourself a a guy who is maybe figuring it out, a young pitcher who's coming off a good May. Do what you want with that information. I'm just letting you know. And then Wandy Peralta is going to get our tip of the cap for this uh, among the relievers. Uh, He just continues to do his damn job. That's what Wandy does. Two innings, no runs, three Ks, a hit, 22 pitches, 15 strikes. And um, on the air, Wandy's got the ERA down to 2.45. uh, I'm sorry, 2.25 on the season. Continues to do his damn thing. And that's it for the tip of the caps and um, the next part of this episode. We're going to go over these progress reports. Um, So let's get right into that. If you are new here to the show, what we do is we run through the Yankees roster and we hand out grades to each and every individual uh, with enough of a sample size Uh, and how these grades work are we grade them on their first two months. We do this monthly throughout the year. And um, yeah, how they work is each player is graded on their own scale. So it's based off of their own expectation. So if, say, player one has a higher grade than player B, it doesn't always mean that player one has been better on the year than player B. It just means that player one has been playing up to his expectations more. Alright, so don't kill me, uh, but this is my own opinion. So we'll start, and we're going to run through these. We're not going to you know, waste too much time with them. Um, so we'll start at catcher, and I guess we'll work our way around the diamond. Um, we do every position player, and then we go do the rotation, bullpen, and the Yankees as a whole. Jose Trevino, I gave a C+. Uh, he's not hitting it all this year. Uh, he is doing a great job behind the plate, so that gets him a C plus. Uh, Higashioka, I don't know. Uh, I gave him a C minus. Too too, uh, too positive, maybe. Uh, too negative, maybe for some. I don't know. C minus for Higgy. Anthony Rizzo gets an A. I mean, he's been unbelievable. He's been really good, and nobody's still talking about it. He's batting over three hundred. He's got an OPS just below nine hundred. He's hitting home runs. He's he's beating the shift that was there last year. This year, it's not an issue for him. Um, playing good first base, being a leader, being a captain, co-captain, I should say. Uh, Gleyber Torres, he gets a B plus. Everything's been great. The only reason he's not up there with them is probably because he's a streaky hitter. But I wouldn't even say that's the thing. I would say the thing that's really stopping him is his bonehead decisions on the bases, his sloppy defense at times. Other than that, it's been a really good year for Glaber at the plate. He's drawing walks more. He's striking out a lot less, knock on wood. And because of that, the average is, it might be right below 270. Um, Anthony Volpe is a tough one because he's a rookie. He's 21, all that, but he has a lot of hype and he's playing a premium position and he's not done a very well job outside of stealing some bases, uh, maybe working some good at bats, but his offense has been putrid and the defense hasn't been great. I bounce back and forth between going D plus C minus because he's only 21 and is a rookie. I'm going to give him a C minus. But it's got to improve. Uh DJ LeMayu also gets a C minus. He is not hitting. Um and, and some people are saying, is he hurt? Is he hurt? I just chalk this shit up to he's old and and that's it. He's old. He's an old big white slow dude. And at this point in his career, it may be over for him. The days of DJ being a top notch hitter are over. Like I know he's not gonna hit 330 again, but I was at least expecting he'd be able to hit you 270, 280. He's below 250. He's not hitting with power anymore. Everything is soft on the ground. He's striking out a boatload. He's playing great defense, so that's why he's got the C minus and nothing lower. Aaron Judge, do we need to really say more? He gets an A plus. He's been unbelievable. Bader gets a B plus. Again, I love the kid. He's really, really produced for them since he's been when he's on the field. That's the problem. That's what's holding that B plus from going to the A's. <clears throat> Oswaldo gets a D. Simply did not do the job. Um, maybe could have given him an F, but I didn't feel like it was that bad because uh, he was he was at least credible in the field. Uh, IKF gets a B minus, doing well in his role. Calhoun gets a B minus. Bowers gets a B minus. So that's all your position players. Ah, uh, the rotation. I give it a C plus. Uh, Garrett Cole is kind of TBD at the moment. You don't know if he's in a rut or if he's just gonna be that three and a half ERA guy again, or if he can go back to being an ace in the regular season. Nesser, we talked about him being a little concerning. Uh, Clark Schmidt has had his ups and downs. Domingo Herman has had his ups and downs. It's a C plus. Basically, it's been Garrett Cole. And uh, toss ups. The bullpen, though, I think they've been nails, absolutely nails. So I give the bullpen a solid A minus. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty solid to me. They've got guys doing their jobs left and right. Uh, they've been the only bullpen in baseball this year with an ERA below three. Uh, and they get big outs. And I know last night they didn't, but. It's going to happen over the course of a 162-game season. You know, uh, they've had guys. Uh, Michael King has been unbelievable. Wandy Peralta. We're going to talk about that right now, actually, um, in a second. Uh, as soon as I grade the Yankees as a whole, I'm giving the Yankees as a whole a B on the year. I think it's been a B-caliber season for the Yankees. That's probably the, you know, it's, it's not been great. But it's been solid. It's been okay. You know, some things are TBD. Some things worry you. But there are some things to be excited about. And again, this month of June could be a very good one for them if things continue to fall into place. I want to go over a bullpen trust tree. Um, so while we were talking about the bullpen, giving them an A-. minus, Let's go over the seven guys in order of guys who I trust the most. Two guys who I trust the least. I'm going Michael King for number one. I think that's pretty obvious. I also think number two, Wandy Peralta is pretty obvious. Uh, Maybe pretty interchangeable them two, but I think King is the clear-cut one. Number three, I bounce around between Marinaccio and Holmes. On my notes, I have Holmes, but I think I'm going to switch again and say the third most trusted. I still want to go Marinaccio, just because I like the kid and I feel like he'll be okay. Um, and then I'll go Holmes, number four. Clay Holmes in this new role, not closing games, not pitching in the ninth. I like. I have no issue with it. He thinks less. He just throws. He pitches. So Holmes, four. I guess Jamie Cordero, five. Albert Breu, six. And Ryan Weber, seventh, unfortunately, because he's pitched well, but I just don't trust him. Like, if he's pitching in a big game against Houston, I'm not comfortable throwing Ryan Weber. Um, despite him pitching solid so far in these uh, bulk innings. Uh, and, you know, if Hamilton, Ian Hamilton, who's out right now, if he's healthy, I probably have him three or four. But, yeah, that's your bullpen trust tree for me. King one, Peralta two, Holmes three, Mar- uh, Marinaccio three, Holmes four, Cordero five, Abreu six, Weber seventh. <laughs> okay. um, And that's really it, man. I am very excited for this Dodgers series coming up. The last time we... Play the Dodgers. They hold the whole. They have the whole players' weekend thing. It's a magical feeling, though. It had this October ball feeling. I love going. Uh, I love when the Yankees, I should say, travel to Dodger Stadium uh, and play them. It's always fun to watch. Um, so we'll see. It, it's gonna be fun, you know. I hate the Dodgers fan base, and I hate the Dodgers. So it's it's, it's, a, it's a old school rivalry to the Brooklyn days. So we'll see how that works. Let's wrap this up with our question of the day, and then I'll be that. So for episode 529 here on the show, we have a true or false for you. True or false. The New York Yankees career RBI leader is Lou Gehrig with 2,000 on the nose. True or false, the New York Yankees career RBI leader is Lou Gehrig with 2,000 on the nose. Alright, is that true or false? So, let me make this clear. The true or false part isn't for Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig is the Yankee RBI leader. But the true or false part you need to answer is, is the number 2,000? So, true or false, the New York Yankees career RBI leader is Lou Gehrig with 2,000 on the nose. So let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout-out in the next episode. That's all we got. I appreciate you all tuning in. Episode 529, In the Books. We went an hour in almost 10 minutes. Appreciate you listening. Really, really do if you got it this far. And I'll see you in 530. All right. Go yikes.
1: This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you, and we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks!